Uh, they power active lives, as we know. Seven essential vitamins. Uh, you know, boosts endurance, accelerates metabolism, burns fat, provides healthy energy. It's one of the best sugar-free uh, energy drinks in the business, if not the best sugar-free energy drink in the business. And one of the things that sets them apart is all the flavors they have there. You look at the different different flavors. They, they have tropical vibes, sparkling orange, uh, watermelon. They have just so many cola, and they work great as mixers, too. Uh, they have, just have so many different flavors and different varieties. You have all the vibes there with the tropical vibe, peach vibe, Arctic vibe. So there's just a, a, a lot of variety and choices you can make with Celsius, and we definitely recommend going to your local stores. They're pretty much everywhere now. You find them at gas stations, grocery stores, wherever you can get a, a normal energy drink. Celsius is usually there. But if not, if you can't find them there, if you're somewhere where maybe you're out in the boondocks, and uh, go to Amazon. You can go to Amazon easily uh, and purchase them there. Maybe with a subscribe and save, you can save some money. Maybe you want to try out different flavors. You can get the variety pack. Um, definitely check out celsius energy drinks uh, at a store near you or by amazon and click that subscribe and save and save some money there but guys we got we got a lot of stuff to get into on this show and we'll start talking about it here and but before we dive into some of the negative and i know a lot of you guys have seen uh some of the posts over at peter report I, I want to jump into the positive. I'm going to take some time to read your comments, too. If you guys have super chats, that's much appreciated. As always, we're going to read some of these comments. We're going to dive into it. We're going to play some videos and clips of today. If you missed it, haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. But let's start with some positive news, right? Well, let's not start our Thursday podcast with negative news. Antoine Winfield Jr. was back at practice. We know he's been dealing with a concussion, placing the concussion protocol, missed last week's game. Um, and, you know, it's it's not 100% that he'll be back, um, but there is a really good opportunity. Uh, took a step in the right direction. We'll know more tomorrow if he practices. At this point, it's just getting out of that concussion protocol, which can be so difficult to do. You have to pass all sorts of strenuous tests, not just from the team, but also from an outside doctor as well. So, the fact that he's back practicing is a good sign. Uh, I think I'm hopeful he'll be ready. He'll be ready to go, and that'd be such a huge boost to this defense, who sorely missed in the last two weeks. But if he can't, it looks like Sean Murphy Bunting uh, is able to bounce back this game, and maybe they play him in the slot. I know he's had some struggles there, but he can't be any worse than Dee Delaney back there, who's tried to play you know his butt off out there, but just has, has been exposed a few times. But they also have Mike Edwards to rotate. I don't want to see D Delaney as a safety again this season. That's just my opinion. I'm sure you guys share the same opinion. So getting SMB back allows someone who's played in that slot, you know, position and can allow Mike Edwards to play that free safety until Antoine Winfield comes back. If he doesn't come back this week. Um, also, they've got a, a good injury news. Akeem Hicks looks like he's going to be ready to go, which will be a huge addition to this team's run defense. I know he struggled a little bit too when he was out there. Wasn't, the guy as advertised, but having him next to Vita Vea, that's a big, big, big interior uh, defensive line for guys to run through. So, um, you know, those are good news. Carlton Davis, Julio Jones, both look like they're going to be able to play. Mike Evans and even maybe Russell Gage might be able to play. So this team, including Shaq Mason, so this team could be at full 100%. Cam Bright was out there practicing full 100% healthy-ish. No one's really healthy at this time, but healthy-ish by the time the Rams came in on, on Sunday. No Luke Gedeke still out. 
Um, but I, you have to think the Bucks are going to roll with Nick Leverett after what they saw last week. But with this Bucks team, who knows? Um, so that's some more of the positive news before we get into this stuff. I, I'm very encouraged by these guys going up there practicing, and, and they're going to provide such a big boost on this defense. And I know, you know, the defense, the defense, what about the offense? The offense is what's really killing this team, right? The defense has been doing a pretty good job holding po- holding teams to points until the offense can't get their job done. And now the defense is gassed like we saw last week um, against the Baltimore Ravens. So, you know, but still, I think that having those defensive reinforcements back, maybe turn make some more turnovers. We know they come in bunches. Casey Rogers said that. Having all your guys healthy back, obviously without a Shaq Barrett who's on injured reserve. But still, I think maybe that's a situation where potentially you get those guys back uh, quarterback gets a little flustered. Now you're now you're starting to get turnovers, especially Matt Stafford's already thrown a few pick sixes this year already. So we got Leo already chiming in with a super chat, and he says uh, five dollars. Thank you, Leo. Always appreciate it. This Bulls not realized by not let firing Leftwich. He could find himself getting fired alongside Byron if the ship sinks and he's one and done. Yeah, I don't. You know, I I don't know what the Glazers. I know that the Glazers are really high on. on on Todd Bowles. So I don't know if this nece- this season necessarily is live or die by the way that if they win a Super Bowl or not. I really think that they need to make a strong playoff push. If they got knocked out in the divisional round again, I don't think that's a situation where they're firing Todd Bowles. I do think there will be coaching changes for sure. Um, if you look at what happened and transpired when Bruce Aaron stepped down and when and Bowles stepped in, free agency was already over. We're talking about March around March 30th. You know, there was no time to assemble his own coaching staff. I do think there will be big changes on this coaching staff when the season comes around. Now, I mean, if they got and they have a very tough schedule coming up, like they they cannot afford to lose more than three games, and that's even being generous. Uh, that puts them at nine and eight. They cannot afford to lose many games down this stretch and expect to be in the hunt not only for. Or potential NFC South divisional crown, but also just to make real noise in the in the playoffs. And we know this mini buy will help them reset. They'll get two games here: one against the Rams, one in Germany against the Seahawks, who are playing red hot. And then they'll get that other that full buy. And we know how Brady teams usually reset. But you can't drop you can't drop both of these next two games. And I'll go as far as as the title said. This is a must win. Both of these are must win. You need to go in to the buy with back to back wins you need to so as far as you know well do i think todd is todd Bowles is going to get fired if byron is unsuccessful as a coach or doesn't change i don't necessarily think so unless they're they miss the playoffs and it's embarrassing fashion maybe then but i think the the, i think the glazers and jason light still give Bowles the opportunity to go out and assemble his own staff uh, bringing his own play caller maybe his own special teams coordinator you got to remember this is Bruce Arian's staff. He just took it over. And for the most part, the, one of the biggest reasons why he took it over is because, you know, this is a family, as they call it. All these guys have been together. They've been together at different points in times. They've been together in the Jets. They've been together in Arizona. They're here together now. Like, this is a big group that's all been loyal to Arians. And, you know, I, I think that can be a detriment sometime. I think Keith Armstrong probably should have went this season. Um, you know, in the offseason replaced him. Um, he's had some ups and downs with his unit, obviously some big gains and obviously some um, some really bad coverages and 
But for the most part, I think special teams has been okay. But, I mean, you need to do better than okay. It's a, it's the third facet of the game, whether people like to recognize it or not. Yes, they're knocking field goals at a great late, but that's not what you want from your team, especially now with Super Bowl aspirations. So I think there will be changes for sure. I don't know if Todd Bowles is going to be one of them. Um, and, and I think it just has a lot to do with how they finish out this season. Aaron says he just had his first Celsius last night, peach mango passion fruit that's a definitely a good one one of my tops up there um but guys like like i said i i think that this team has to has to has to win this game there's no way around it um and the the, the thing that the thing that kind of irks me a little bit is doesn't the energy level hasn't changed from when they're winning games really to now i don't see i don't see people and this team's never going to call anybody out. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to call each other out. This is not a Bruce Arians team where he's going to call his players out of press conference. We learned that early on. Todd Bowles is going to do that. But I just think it's repetitive words, execution. We need to execute, execute. We just need to do a better job here. We need to do a better job. Well, the time for talk is over. Like it's been over. Like the time for action is now. And we need to see that action. We need to see who's going to come in here, who's going to make the plays, who's going to step up, or who's going to step down. Which brings me to one of my first clips of Brady talking today, and he pretty he said that exactly. Like this is going to show who's who, who's got it. Execution starts with everybody. It doesn't just start with play calling. It doesn't start with the quarterback. It starts all over the field, and everyone needs to execute. The young guys need to execute, even though you know you're not trying to put too much on them. But everyone needs to execute, and we'll see this week against the Rams who are very depleted in their own right and having their own struggles. Who steps up, who steps down, and who answers the call? Yeah, and I know we talked last week about you know us doing a good job executing, and that's, that's what it comes down to. Our great players need to go out and execute well. The guys that are in there with their first year or two, you know, Rashad or Nick or, uh, you know, Hainsey, um, Cade, Coe, you know, it's hard to put too much on those guys. That's the reality. They're getting used to playing. They haven't played a lot of football. So the guys that have played a lot of football, we got to do a better job. And that's part of what leadership's all about. And it's pushing people in practice, and it's trying to get a, a bigger sense of urgency. Um, you know, when you're when everything's going well, you know, it's things things it feels really good and easy. And when they don't go well, it feels really hard, and it feels like a challenge. So. I think the point is you either back down to the challenge or you step up to the challenge and the and we'll see who's going to step up pretty much like i mean that's black and white execution has been i've been i'm talking recently to uh, a former buccaneer who's no longer on the team but has been the past few years and he said it's crazy it's crazy to see that what this team is doing guys who have been together for two years now chris Godwin, mike evans not being on the same chemistry not being able to execute the way that we've seen them in the past and, and that's huge now there's definitely you can make excuses and you can you can cover up things with injuries and say okay you know Godwin took a little while to find his rhythm and now he's you know back from that ACL tear you can make excuses about the offensive line and them losing Kappa and Jensen and Ali Marpet obviously we all you know I think it's a it's a common uh feeling that we share that Luke Gedicke was kept in a little bit too long, or they maybe should have went to Leverett earlier. Uh, we've seen the impact that he made already in that first game. He came out of that game as the second highest rated player per PFF. Again, not the Bible. Don't tell my later guests that. Hint. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just, 
I just don't see any way that they're going to be able to go back to a Luke Gedeke. And that was something that was brought up too to Byron today. And Byron pretty much said that, you know, he looked good. He gave energy that he was a guy who's been waiting for his opportunity. Um, and then when followed up, Scott followed up, are you going to make the switch back to Gedeke when he's healthy? And he's, he was noncommittal and that's not good at all for multiple reasons because Nick Lervett gave the, not only gave this team a boost, you know, talking to some of the other guys on the line too. him knowing that center position, while it doesn't make a huge difference, it does make a slight difference because he knows how to communicate those calls quicker to a, to a Donovan Smith. He knows he's seeing things that Tom wants to see that, that Robert, you know, Bob Hainsey's already seeing and he can communicate those back and forth and they can have that conversation in the huddle and say, Hey, look at what I'm seeing this. I'm seeing that where from a center's point of view and from that left guard point of view. So, you know, I just think that you, you can't go away from Nick Leverett anytime soon, unless he really struggles. And I don't even think you can count this week too. If Leverett struggles this week, it's going against Aaron Donald. Like that's, that's a huge matchup for anybody in the league, let alone a guy who's, who's making a second career start. So I do think that he'll get back. Um, you know, I, I I think he'll win this win this job and won't give that job back to Luke Gedeke. We'll see how it goes. We'll see if Jensen does come back and then that slides Hainsey over. I, I just don't know the scenario, what scenario they're going to go through. I know that, um, as Brady just said, the execution across the board has been bad. But I think with that upgrade with Nick Leverett, slight as it may be, um, or, or as big as it may be, I think that's going to give the, this offense a little bit of a jolt. And we saw that to the first two series. And then it just kind of went just downhill from there. So it's one of those things where you have to hope that this team obviously reset a little bit during the weekend, got healthy. Coaches were having meetings all weekend. I asked Byron about that. What What are you guys going to do different? Like, you you know, you talked to – Coach Bowles talked about taking this week with the coaches and going back to basics and figuring out what you're going to do different. And yes, uh, as common sense as says, the word execution is PTSD now because of this team. It's literally, that's pretty much what they said. We've got to execute better. We've got to call it better. i got to call things in the right scenario. Going back to what he said a few weeks ago when I asked him that question about EPA and, you know, we're going to call the best plays we feel in that time. Well, sometimes these aren't the best plays that are being called in that time. And as Matt with a Matt, 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 Matt with a $2 super chat says these presses has been, have been more frustrating than the games. Tell me about it. <laughs> I mean, at least you guys are just watching the pressures, having the pressers having to come up with these questions and, and try to get some answers from these guys um, and try to put as much spin on it as we can. Not so they'll call anybody out, but so we'll get, a more thorough answer or a thoughtful answer than what we're getting has been difficult. And, and, you know, for the most part, we're not, we're not getting the, what we want out of these questions. You're not getting what you want out of these questions. Um, and it's, and it can be frustrating. And one of those questions today, and I plan on playing this later for our other guests, but uh, you know, that was asked about to Byron was about play action passes and obviously, you guys heard me ask him about EPA, about running on first down versus passing on first down. One of the top teams in the league passing on first down. One of the bottom teams in the league running on first down. The same situation is with play action. They are one of the best teams in the league in play action when they're using it, utilizing it. But 
The problem is, is they're only utilizing it at a bottom third rate of the league. They're not utilizing it. And Byron strikes again with his, with his answer. Uh, if you haven't seen it, enjoy. If you have seen it, be prepared to be frustrated again. Well, we got to do a better job of running it, right? Uh, there's no such thing as play action pass without running it good enough so it to be true. So we just got to play better across the board. We can run it better. I can call it better. It's a lot of different things we can do better to help the whole part of our game, really. That's really how we look at it. We don't look at it as one thing. Actions come off how well you're running the ball. It's always been. Or you're just wasting time doing an action. It won't do the job that you're, you know, setting out for it to do. So we just need to play better across the board. What? What? I, I don't even know how to justify that answer it has been proven over and over and over again that you do not need to set up you do not need to have the running game going to set up play action it has been proven over and over and over again that that is an absolute false statement you can still utilize play action without having the running game established now if you would have said that we need to establish a better running game to better utilize play action i would agree with that I think the better you're running, the more players are going to fake, fall for that play action. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And it comes down to, get ready for it, execution uh, by the offense, by the offensive line getting pushed, by the running backs finding those holes and, and, and getting, those, getting those tough yards when they're not there. It, it, it starts with that. But to say that you need to do a better job establishing the run before you can utilize play action is a bold-faced lie. It goes against everything that we know, all the stats that we know that we've seen. Even utilizing play action for, for a set, it, the best part about play action, even if you don't have a run established, is it freezes the linebackers just for a half a second. Even for just a half a second, it freezes those linebackers because they have to make sure that it's not a run because if it is a run, they got to get after it. But if it's not a run, they're paused for that half a second. And Brady is throwing the ball at the quickest release late rate of any quarterback this year. That half a second makes a difference. It does. It may, even if it's a quarter of a second, it makes a difference. Um, and Brady knows how to find those quick open guys. So for him to say that was mind bottling. I don't my, boggling bottling. I don't know. However you want to say it. Um, but it was mind I just, I just don't, I don't know where he gets off on. I, I'm going to play it again. I'm going to play it again for you guys, because I just, uh, maybe you can tell me because. Well, we got to do a better job of running it, right? Uh, there's no such thing as play action pass without running it good enough. So it to be true. So we just got to play better across the board. We can run it better. I can call it better. It's a lot of different things we can do better to help the whole part of our game. Really? That's really how we look at it. We don't look at it as one thing. Actions come off how well you're running the ball. It's always been. Or you're just wasting time doing an action. It won't do the job that you're, you know, setting out for it to do. So we just need to play better across the board. Just need to play better across the board. Just need to execute better. Just need to execute better across the board. I don't I don't understand that. I mean, as Matt, Matt, Matt says, how many studies have we seen that show there's no correlation? How is he a coordinator not knowing that? I said <laughs> common sense with a JC went from predicting their plays and now he can predict their press conference answers. It's crazy. I don't know how as a head coach in this or assist offensive coordinator, but a head aspiring head coach uh, can come up to the podium and say that we can't run play action as much because we're not, we're having difficulties 
setting up the run. It makes zero sense to me. I don't understand it. And we're going to get on Byron a little bit more with our with our guests later, and we'll break down all that stuff. We'll break down a little bit more. I got Devin White tape that you're going to be frustrated <laughs> to watch too, and we'll break down, you know, why has he been graded so low by PFF? Another hint. Uh, but with that being said, we're going to bring on our guest, first guest here. It's Jake Ellen Bojan. He's a CEO of Downtown Rams, host of the Believe in Rams uh, podcast and the Rams Eds podcast. We're going to talk about this this team's struggles. Obviously, the Bucks are not the only team that are predicted to potentially be a NFC favorite uh, coming into the season. That have that have just call it it has sucked the last couple of games, and we'll get his take on it right now. So we'll bring in Jake right now. Jake, how are you doing, my man? I'm good. How are you, man? Ah, I'm dealing with inept coordinators over here. At least you guys got a good offensive coach there, so <laughs> be thankful for that. Um, but man, let's just dive into it. We we've been talking at length about what's going on with this Bucks team. What the heck is going on with this Rams team? A lot of things are going on with this Rams team. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I feel I your think, pain. I yeah, I, I think right now, um, it, it's past the talent. Like, I know, I think a lot of people, there's a misconception that they're not very talented. And even with the injuries, I would push back on that. I think a lot of the issues, believe it or not, is actually on the coaching staff. Um, you look at the defense. I, I don't think the defense is really as much of an issue. I mean, that game was kind of a little bit away from what we're used to with the defense. Uh, you know, pretty much averaging 16, 17 points given up the last you know four games or whatever. That wasn't really like the defense, but this is what happens when you have a 14 to 10 lead going in the halftime against the 49ers and you don't step on their throat. Uh, you didn't go for, you know, extra points there a minute left in the uh, the half. You have the ball. They didn't really try to push it down the field and score uh, even a field goal. And so you go in, you're like, all right, we're fine. 14 to 10, uh, you know, the Buccaneers get the ball back. And the defense gets a good stop, and it's like offense doesn't even move past the the 50 in the second half. So when you're doing that, I mean, it's like the equivalent. I mean, we're in the World Series right now, right? So it's the equivalent of you're going out there and, you know, you're throwing a no-hitter uh, like last night. Uh, but what if the Astros didn't score any runs? You know, then at that point, you can't even get a win because you don't have – you're not scoring any runs. It's just right. going to keep, you know, keep going. And it puts more pressure on a defense when your offense can't score. And I mean, you look at, you know, 60, it took 16 plays, uh, you know, JC to, to actually get in the end zone, um, you know, and, and that was aided by two penalties. Now they were obvious penalties, but I mean, what if they don't get called? Then you're looking at a three point, you know, thing there and it, it's just got to get better. The offense has to get better. Um, you know, Sean McVay said something that was a little troubling for me when he said he doesn't want to run the ball because he feels like he's wasting plays, essentially some around what he said. And I would just say this, run the ball with the better running back. Um, you know, right. Daryl Henderson has been a model of consistency since he's joined this team and, and they just continue to, you know, give Ronnie rivers, the UDFA more opportunities. And, you know, the ghost of Malcolm Brown from 2020, I, it's, it's kind of gotten to the point where it's now backbreaking for a defense when they're not getting any run support, if you will. Right, and you look at these two teams; they're bottom thirty-two and thirty-one in the in the league in run in in rushing yards. It, it's it's, I mean, you look at what the what both of these two teams obviously different situations with the offensive line issues on along both of these fronts with the O line, with the Bucks losing guys due to injury, retirement, free agency, and then kind of same thing with with the Rams here. How much of a different? How much has that really played an effect? And has it? How much has 
Stafford's elbow played into effect in all this offensive woes. So it's weird because I don't feel like Stafford's elbow is that big of a deal, but the way they call plays, it almost makes you wonder, right? Because, Mm. you know, the offensive line, believe it or not, has not been that bad the last two weeks. Um, They had a bye, so obviously they, you know, they didn't do anything during the bye, but I mean the the last two games, essentially. Um, You know, they held the 49ers to eight pressures on the quarterback, which I believe is the lowest in Sean McVay's entire tenure going up against the 49ers. Uh, they normally put up way more pressure. Stafford was only sacked twice last. I'll be honest with you, JC, that game made no sense because the Rams did two things that they need to do to win every game. Matthew Stafford didn't turn the ball over and the offensive line protected Matthew Stafford. And <laughs> they didn't, you know, I, I don't know how they even lost the game, but they did. I mean, they figured out a way to not score any points in the second half and, the Niners, you know, capitalized on it. But I just think when you look at like the injuries, yeah, I think they definitely have impacted what they want to do on the offensive end. There's been a lot of turnover. I mean, we talk about every year, there's always turnover, but you know, coach Jiro Evero, who was, you know, a secondary coach, he's now a defensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos on the offensive side. You have Kevin O'Connell who has been there for a while now and, you know, OC that was really, you know, helping them out. And now he moves on as the head coach for the Minnesota Vikings. So now you have Liam Cohen, who's back in a bigger role as the OC. He is known for, you know, putting Kentucky in the top four in offense in the SEC. Uh, But maybe there's something that has to do with Liam Cohen. Maybe there's something that has to do with the fact that everybody that they had going into the season that they counted on has gotten hurt in some capacity. It seems like, so, I mean, not having Van Jefferson to start, I mean, you know, you've seen Van Jefferson against Tampa. He's a damn good receiver and he can get open. And we even saw some of those things where they're able to use van deep down the field now. uh, and, And they didn't even throw to him once, but it opened up the, the deep crosser went about 30 yards to Cooper cup against the 49ers. Those are the plays that, you know, he can open up and just wait until he gets going. So I think you look at him, you look at the fact Kyron Williams is supposed to be featured in this offense and, you know, he gets rolled up into the second, uh, you know, snap he has in, in, uh, you know, right. his teams and he's gone for almost the entire, you know, first half of the season. So Kyron Williams might be back this week, but, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries and I know it sounds like an excuse, but I mean, I do think part of that is the issue, but I also think part of it is you need to see more out of Sean McVay. They need to get things going. Cause I just don't think right now is acceptable. Right. And, and you know, you look at the defense, the defense is actually playing pretty well compared to the offense. They're ranked fifth in total defense, seventh in rush defense, 11th in pass defense. But then you look at some dive into those numbers a little bit more. They're 21st in sacks. They're 29th in tar- turnover margin. And they're 18th in points allowed. What is going on with the defense to allow them to hold teams to, you know, in rushing yardage and passing yardage, but still allowing them to score points, still not making the turnovers, not not getting the sacks that we're used to from a team like this Rams one? It's so mind blowing that we're talking about a Rams team that where their defense has always been really good towards the end of seasons and they take a little bit to get going, but when they go, they're like a well-oiled machine by the end of the year. Raheem Morris already pretty much has them in kind of a mid-season form. Uh, And they had him, you know, I know now it's mid-season, but he had them like with that, you know, week four 
you know, practically. And they play kind of more unorthodox. They're not as aggressive as years past. You talk about a Wade Phillips defense who, you know, is second in the league or first in the league in blitzing. Same with Greg Williams. Knows all about Raheem Morris. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing is like with Raheem Morris, it's different than what we saw with Wade Phillips and what we saw with Greg Williams who blitz, blitz, blitz. Uh, they don't blitz as much. I mean, they still blitz decent, but for the most part, they like to, you know, limit the explosives. And you could say what you will about giving up 31 points to the 49ers last week, but the bottom line is they've been really good aside from that game. And in addition to that, they've limited the explosives just like they want to do. Uh, they limit explosives more than any team in the league. So, um, you know, I think when you combine that and then just you're not getting the the touchdown support, the the point support, whatever you want to call it, uh, from the offense, I think that's been your struggles. That's been your woes. And I think, you know, we started to see some things come along, you know, coming out of the bye to see Sean McVay and that team look that fired up for the first half and then completely lose it in the second half. Right. You would have thought the you know, the, the bye week blues was like delayed because you would have thought that that would have been the first half, right? Uh, he's normally lackluster coming out of a bye. His teams are anyway. So, I mean, a lot is definitely going to have to come about it for both of these teams that we're talking about, the, the Rams and Bucks. Um, but I have no doubt both teams have a lot of talent. They can figure this thing out. And uh, this game becomes a must win for both sides, I think. Uh, doesn't mean neither team can make the playoffs, but if you're trying to win the division, which I think should be the goal with these teams, they have way too much talent not to, uh, you got to be able to win this one on Sunday. Right. And you look at the, both the leaders of these divisions right now, the Falcons and the Seahawks. Uh, I don't think anyone would have that on their bingo card going no. in. But, you know, the question has to come because the Bucks kind of, they didn't deal with it as much as this Rams team is. But Super Bowl hangover, like, is is that affecting this team? Do you think that, it, or is it just personnel changes? I know you got to get out of here. Um, and then Cooper Cup and Cam Akers. We have a few people here from, that are big Florida State um, you know, what's the beef between Cam Akers? What are you hearing between that? Is that relationship repairable? It seemed like he practiced today. Cooper Cup, how efficient is he going to be with that ankle? And then just the Super Bowl hangover that they could be facing this year. Yeah, I'm not as high on Cam Akers as everyone else is. Um, I do feel like they should probably just cut bait, if I'm being honest. Uh, just because he really wants to be the the main focal point of the offense. He wants to, you know, get a running back workload that is that of a Todd Gurley, a Steven Jackson, and Eric Dickerson, and Marshall Falk in the past. And the Rams just aren't that team anymore. They're they're more leaning towards running back by committee. I can disagree with it all I want, but that's what they are. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I don't get running back by committee at all. Uh, but, you know, I think now that Kyron Williams is coming back, the reason I'm so against bringing back Cam Akers and obviously, if he does well, it's not like I'm going to root against him. Right. Uh, but he hasn't done well. Okay. He has a 2.9 yards per carry average. Uh, he runs right into defenders. He's missing wide open holes. Look at the viral uh, image that was shared all over Twitter against the Dallas Cowboys. It looks that of Trent Richardson. Um, you know, I think when you get to that point, you're like, all right, well, Kyron Williams is the fifth rounder. They trade up to get Daryl Henderson's been the consistent one. He helps him pass pro cam Akers does not. They have a UDFA and Ronnie rivers who can help you in the run game or the receiving game rather. So I think there are different things that they have here. And it's like when you have Cam Akers in, it's a tell for the defense what you're doing. If you have Cam Akers in, you know that the Rams are probably going to run the ball 95% of the time. If you have Daryl Henderson, you know they're not going to run the ball because they don't do it. Right. Uh, they should, but they don't. So that over here, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like tipping pitches. Like if if you watched again the World Series the other night, uh, it was two nights ago. I think the guy that gave up five home runs. 
um, McCullers. He was tipping yeah. his pitches by using a different leg kick when he was throwing a curveball. So they're like, all right, well, we know when a curveball is coming. Right. It's like the Rams. You know, if you have one guy in every time you run the ball and then another guy in when you don't run the ball, well, the defense now knows, okay, we can rule that out. They're not going to run the ball. And if we do, then we'll still be able to make a play, but it's not going to happen very often to the point where right. we have to really account for it. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, we're dealing with the same stuff over here. Certain personnel. It's, it's not just a player though. It's personnel groupings because both of the yes. running backs here can run and catch. It's just the personnel groupings with, with an extra, a jumbo tackle out there and two tight ends, you know, kind of, kind of oh, yeah. tells and it makes it very difficult for Brady to audible out of that stuff. Cooper cup. Is he going to be able to play? Uh, yeah, I think he'll be able to go. I think he'll be able to go. Do you think he'll be effective? It's Cooper cup. It he'll figure out a way, you know, yeah. um, I honestly feel like the Rams need to kind of calm down a little bit, trying to design place for Cooper cup, because eventually, I mean, you got to get Van Jeff. You, you have to get Van Jefferson going, but you have to get Allen Robinson, Robinson going too. If so you can. <laughs> if you're, if you're just gonna, you know, isolate one guy, eventually your defense, like the defense is going to be, it's a, another tell like the defense right. now knows, okay, they only go to Cooper cup and they only run the ball with cam Akers when he's in. It's the, you know, it becomes predictable. It's why Kyle Shanahan, despite the fact they're down 14 to 10 at half, he's able to make adjustments because this offense has been really predictable. And before I get you out of here, because I know you got to run. If the yeah. Rams win this game, they're going to do what? If the Bucks win this game, they, they've exploited what in a final score prediction? If the Rams win this game, that means they pressured Brady enough to make him uncomfortable. Playing that bend don't break against Tom Brady seems like a recipe for disaster, if I'm being honest with you. But it's worked for other quarterbacks. It's worked against other quarterbacks. They did put some pressure on Josh Allen. They did get some turnovers on Josh Allen. So I'm not ruling out that. Um, this has not been the Tom Brady we were talking about last year and the Rams did have his number last year, beating him twice. So I think this year is not as talented, but I do think they probably could get things going more in the run game. And if they can do that against what is really a really good run defense in the Rams, then that's something I think, you know, losing a guy like Shaq Barrett is serious. Uh, you know, you're going to have to have guys, uh, you know, like Nelson step up and, you know, we'll see if that happens, but this has not been a, like, you know, last year's Buccaneers run defense. So if you can run against this, you know, defense, uh, then it can open up the play action and the, who am I kidding? The Rams will run play action. Anyway, they run it with, you know, one of the worst run <laughs> rushing attacks in the league. But uh, I think the Rams will end up winning this game. I think either team that wins this game is probably going to end up winning their division. The Niners, uh, the, the, not the Niners, the, the, the Bucks are way too talented where if they win this game, they can get on a little bit of a winning streak here and they can still win this division. The Saints don't look very good. Uh, the Panthers, I mean, nice story. I like that they're competing. They're not winning the division. They needed to win last week. And the Falcons, they're the, I can't believe I'm saying this, but they're the actual, like, you know, defender there that you have to take down, but you already have a win against them. So that that's going to help in the tiebreaker, just win the next one. Right. Uh, so I think both teams, I mean, if the Rams win this, I think they win the division. I really believe that. Uh, I think last week, a lot of people look at the way they played against the Niners. They always play poorly against the Niners. They were swept last year against the Niners and they won the Super Bowl. So I don't think it really says a whole lot. They came off the bye. We saw that in the first half. And now they got to prove it against, you know, a former defending Super Bowl champion, the Buccaneers, albeit they're a little bit different team. Right. And score prediction? Oh, my bad. Uh, score prediction. I'm going to go with a little bit higher scoring than some people are thinking. I know people are thinking more lower. Uh, I think the Rams are going to be able to run the ball in this game. And I think that's going to lead to them being a, uh, a victor in this one, 30 to 23. I think they win by a touchdown. 
Awesome. Yeah, Jake, so much. thanks so much for your time. You guys can find his work. Uh, I know they're Rams, but if you're a fan of football <laughs> like I am, you want to know more about every team in the NFL, definitely check him out at Downtown Rams, host of the Believe in Rams podcast and Rams Edge. Jake, thanks so much for your time, man. Thank you so much, JC. You'd be well. Absolutely, you too. Thanks. As we got Jake coming in here, uh, great job by him. Great analysis, talking about the Rams. We're going to get to our who are our special guest who's in the lobby. I don't know if you guys figured it out. I dropped several hints. Uh, if you think you have a guest, drop it in the comments. I will give you the last hint before I get into this ad read. He's a former Peter reporter. With that being said, uh, the, the Rams are entering this week as underdogs. They're minus three uh, or plus three right now coming into Tampa. Tampa is currently minus three on depending on what site you're using, especially if you're using my bookie, but um, coming in as underdogs, you know, we know a little thing about underdogs here at Peter report because we are have proud sponsors of underdog fantasy and underdog fantasy is something uh, that we can hit all points and want our partners when we're discussing. So let me tell you about the best ball uh, mania, which was awesome that we've done, but the pickums, the pickums is great there. Um, just download my uh, underdog fantasy. You pick your over under on your favorite team's player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps a super simple with their easy to use website. Very aesthetically pleasing. Pick two to five players, fill out your pick them slip. And if you get every pick right, you take home some cold, hard cash. Use the code pewter to get your first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. I'll tell you right now, I've got a few in tonight. I'm going with Damian Pierce. Over 66 and a half rushing yards. I think he's going to eat. I'm going with Miles Sanders with over 0.5 rushing touchdowns. And I like Jalen Hurts to get over 42 and a half yards. So definitely download the Underdog Fantasy app if you haven't yet with code Pewter. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. Uh, so you definitely want get to into, get into that. If you haven't been playing, it's awesome. Um, we definitely love underdog uh, underdog fantasy because i've made quite a few dollars off of it so far this year uh and without before we just jump into our guest here i got one more little commercial we're going to play and that's going to be a uh a shout out to our sponsors over at Seminole hard rock we'll be doing live shows there soon and hey you never know when you're gonna hit big just the way you like it me and my wife decided we'll have some fun. I was playing a two-cent machine. Six bets in, I hit a jackpot. $117,000. Hi, my name is Tara, and I won over $500,000 playing slot. I do this full-time, and I would not change it for the world. I'm Gloria. I won over $2 million at Seminole Hard Rock Casino. I went and bought a bunch of jewelry. <laughs> my name is Mike, and I won over $350,000. I love playing back rock because it hits different. When you pull in that car and you flip over that nine, beating that eight, can't miss. I'm Jimmy. I won a half million dollars in a slot tournament at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Even a blind squirrel can get a nut sometimes. <laughs> my name is Philip, and I won 215000 on Blazing Sevens. Put my last $4 on the table, next thing you know, bam, 215000 jackpot. I hit that bad boy. I didn't realize how much it would change my life. You only live once. Have fun with it, right? Anybody can win at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. That's right. Anybody can win at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. We're winning right now because we've got Tampa Bay Trey in the building here. Minimum three sides. You know the rules. Uh, obviously, host of It's Just Football and the NFL Stock Exchange at PFF, Tampa Bay Trey. First time on the podcast together, man. How you doing? I know, JC. It's, it's good to hear from you, man. It's good to be on the podcast with you. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, I'm sure there will be no shortage of takes here on uh, <laughs> what is going on with the Buccaneers season. So I appreciate you having me on, man. 
Absolutely. So we talked about it a little bit earlier. Byron Lethwich had his press conference today. Uh, you know what? Let me just play the video for you and get your thoughts afterwards. Okay. <laughs> Good luck getting through it without laughing. Well, we got to do a better job of running it, right? Uh, there's no such thing as play action pass without running it good enough for it to be true. So we just got to play better across the board. We can run it better. I can call it better. It's a lot of different things we can do better to help the whole part of our game, really. That's really how we look at it. We don't look at it as one thing. Actions come off how well you're running the ball, has always been. Or you're just wasting time doing an action. It won't do the job that you're, you know, setting out for it to do. So. We just need to play better across the board. Yeah, so that's what we're dealing with in Tampa. Uh, thanks for leaving us. Um, your thoughts on Byron Leftwich saying <laughs> that they need to run the ball well to set up play action. Wait, hold on. First of all, everybody was celebrating me leaving because me leaving is a, uh, what was supposed to be what made the team good, right? This not well, so, this, this is the opposite now. Now you got to um, get on. Now you got to get on Ledyard. You got to get on John. <laughs> Because John left, and now it's all going to pieces. So that's well, Tom. Tom says you're only back because we're the yucks again. <laughs> well, uh, it's John's yeah. fault. Ultimately, it is. We everyone should blame John. I mean, it is his yeah, fault. Yeah. That's, that's what we do. I've been doing it for years, and it's 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 worked out great for me. Uh, yeah, blaming John it. basically for whatever. Is this um, that official? I I wasn't sure. Byron's PFF grade press conference a sixteen point three. That would be low. That would be very far into the deep red, and um. Unfortunately, yeah, that's probably how uh, that's probably how PFF grade would, would grade that one. <laughs> Look, you know, I I obviously like you have this press conference. Yeah, the press conference. I can't remember if it was last week, the week before. I believe it was you asked the question about EPA per play, and he didn't really yeah. know what EPA was. And, you know, look, there's a lot of guys who are old school in the NFL. Being old school isn't necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. It means you kind of got this throwback mentality to it. Your, your roots are rooted in a lot of um, older fundamentals. But I really do feel like the best coaches are the ones that can combine old school and new school. And when you don't know a really telling analytic like EPA per play and when it seems like and, and this is this is my biggest issue with Byron. It's not that he doesn't know these certain things. It feels like he's abrasive to it. Like, like right. it feels like he like he does like he doesn't want to be like told these things like it's just like, oh, that I mean. I don't do it like that. We don't do it like that here. That's rubbish. And if that's not the case, then obviously this is kind of a different conversation. But I'm just saying as an outsider now, how it comes off is it comes off like he doesn't want to hear it. Like it's just like right. this stuff doesn't right. matter. I'm not going to care about it. Because the play action part, I mean, it sucks. It sucks to hear that. We've got teams that have been doing this for years where you don't have to run to set up play action. You don't have to do it. The linebackers, the linebackers are going to flow whether the running back gets the ball or not. You know, even, the if they gonna... don't, even if they don't flow completely and it just pauses them for half a second, that's all Brady needs. He's getting the ball and, out of 2.5 seconds. And I was listening to you guys chit-chat right before I popped on here, and, and y'all were talking about how um, the Rams don't really have a lot of mystery in what they do. They're very straightforward. And that's the worst thing that you could be right now, especially if you're Tampa, because – uh, on, you know, a lot of people talk about this team being very talented and I do think that they're talented, but we're not really seeing it right now. And when you're not seeing the talent just absolutely show out, you have to do those little things to move the ball and have success. And it just doesn't feel like they're willing to do that. The more I look at it, the more it feels like that Super Bowl run that they had two years ago. And even as well as they were playing on offense last year, it was just, it was simply 
we've got Brady, we've got these receivers, we've got Gronkowski, we've got a good offensive line, and it's just like, we're going to line up and beat you. They could do that the last couple of years. They clearly can't do that now. Whatever mental state this team is in, they cannot line up and just straight up beat you. They need help. You need deception. You need something to manipulate the defense. You need play action. You need all of these things to try to help you out. And the most disappointing part is not even that they haven't done it yet. It's the fact that it seems like they're not even entertaining right. going to that at all. So Right. And I asked, I asked Byron that last week. I said, at what point do you look at, you know, some of the receivers aren't getting separation there. The offense is, is kind of telling at times, when do you, when do you go when you, back to the playbook and, and scheme things up for guys to get open, scheme things up to make this, this playbook and these plays a little bit more unpredictable. And he, he said that they've been scheming since 2019, but clearly, as you just said, it is, it is lack of, of effort on their part. They are relying on running out their guys. And mm-hmm. I talked to a former Buccaneers player, an offensive Buccaneers player. And he said like that was with this team in the off season. And he said, it seems like they're just lining their guys up and saying, we're going to beat you with our right. guys. And, and that's, exa- that's coming from someone who is in the building and they can't do that this year. They can't. No, no there's the, uh, the Herb, the Herb Brooks quote from the movie miracle. I don't know Love if Herb it. ever actually said this, but he says, you think you can win off talent alone. Gentlemen, you don't have the talent to win off talent alone. Yes. And it's obviously strange talking about this Buccaneers team, but in their current state, that is the essence of that phrase. Tampa can't just line up and beat you. They they don't have that ability right now. They're not at that point as a team. Is maybe the ceiling of that team achievable and that kind of a dream and that kind of a mindset? Yes, I think that that's there. It's in the blueprint for them, right. but that's not where they are right now. And it, it feels as though they're not being honest with where they are, which kind of stinks, especially, you know, like more to that answer, what Byron was saying is it's like, hey, you know, a lot of what we do is centered predicated on running the ball really well well that's a lot of football i I don't i don't disagree with that a lot of the fundamental parts of the game of football come from you running the ball well right we see teams around the league as well maybe don't have the offensive woes that the bucks have but sometimes you look at these teams and they can't control the clock because they can't run the ball out well you know like and, and i think a lot of people joke and and there's a lot of new football fans and, you know, PFF gets a bad rap for this too. They're like, oh, PFF never wants you to run the ball. They don't want you to have any running backs on the <laughs> roster. You know, that that's not what it is. It's just John thinking, <laughs> we, of course, uh, we want, we want you to understand that it is more advantageous when you have a more pass heavy offense. And it's just, it, a lot of this is really frustrating because Tampa can't run. They suck at it. They're the worst in the league at it. By far the worst in history in the since 1970. I didn't know that, but now I do. Yeah. And it's and it's unfortunate hearing a coach say, we have to continue to do something that is clearly a negative on our team in order to set up a positive when it's not true. You don't have to do that. Now, do they want the game where Brady's throwing it whatever 55 times and Leonard Fournette gets like three carries? No, you don't want that. You want more of a balanced script than that. But you don't want to sit here and think we have to keep putting the ball in Leonard Fournette's gut in order to set up something later when it's just not true. Because then that's a negative and that's a negative. And it's just it's not working out. And it just feels like their approach to a lot of this stuff is a mess right now. Right. And I think they need to use Rashad White more, who's looked really good. He's got good vision, good speed. Uh, And that's something that looks like. You know, Lenny's kind of lost a little bit is that speed. He's he's still got that power. We've seen that power. His hands are the best we've seen. His 
his pass blocking for the most part, you know, aside from a few plays here and there has been the best that we've seen. It's just, it feels like he doesn't have that speed and, and even the vision is lacking a little bit there. Right. And I, that, that's, that's something bad. I mean, and, and Byron's only 42 years old. It's not like he's this old, old school guy. Who's like, mm-hmm. in a, he's not Tom Moore out there saying we're going to run the ball every time, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not the case. So like his, his aversion to wanting to improve and put the team's best foot forward with either the play. And again, we were talking about this earlier. They're running out of, out of 12, 13 personnel with an extra jumbo tackle on the field. And even if Brady sees something, he can't audible out of that. Mm. How do you do that? So it's, it's people, people do. I just, I just want to say this. People think that audibling is like it is in Madden. And it's not like you can't just like call a different, a completely different play with different person. Now, like sometimes you can, like sometimes you have that creativity to really change things up. If you see that the coverage is a little bit tighter, if you see it's it's a little bit softer, you worked on. Right. Right. It's not not like you can, it's not like he can create a brand new play with 15 seconds left on the clock after you broke the huddle that that normally just it's, it's, it's not the case. So I wanted to say that as well. A lot of people are mad at Tom because they're like, Oh, Tom should just audible every time out of Byron's bad plays. It's like, it's not, <laughs> it's not quite that, that simple. It's not. Quite and he, he had a bad game last week. I mean, I'm not going to sit yeah. here and sugarcoat it and he's had some bad throws, but for the most part, Tom has been electric. He's number two in passing yards. He's got the fastest release right now. He's only got mm-hmm. one interception on the season. Part of that's because he's not taking as many chances. Part of that is because Luke Gedicke was so bad. Um, the first, you know, seven games of the se- seven and a half games of the season that, you know, for some reason, I, I just think Tom doesn't trust or at least didn't trust. I, we saw him take a couple more chances last week, but didn't trust the guys that he had blocking for him and didn't make it through all of his reads. Look for that check down. And if Byron calls another back to back to back screen again, I don't know what's going to happen in Tampa. I think people are going to start looting and rioting uh, and just knocking down the Bucks team store. Yeah, they're just not in a good they're not in a good spot. Um, it's not just on offense, Trey. It's on defense too. Well, yeah, man. I mean, I I think JC, if you want to know what I think the main problem with the team is, and it's funny, I I do, and I I don't say this as like a brag or anything, but I do a lot of like radio spots and a lot of like podcast appearances yeah. where people because sure, they know, it was on NFL Network big time uh, <laughs> because they, they they know I'm a Bucks guy. They I have the name the words Tampa. I don't know how to videos. <laughs> and um, they, they asked, they asked me the same thing. What's wrong with the Bucks? And it's such a, a complex answer. But honestly, the answer that I come to the most is that the mentality of this team is not there right now. I keep going back to what Mike Evans said after the game in Carolina. We're on play number three. This is the third play of the game against a divisional opponent that just fired their head coach, that just traded away their offensive play, their their best offensive player that you should absolutely beat. Third play of the game, Mike Evans drops what should have been the easiest touchdown of his life. And Mike said after the game, I saw the life go out of us then. What? That's the it's the third play of the game, and you can't mentally get over that to win an NFL game in a point of the season which you desperately need to get back on track. One win team, crazy man. And backup quarterback, backup center, backup backup running backs. The list goes on and on. I've played sports before. I know a lot of people out there have played sports before. We all get in that funk, right? You're playing basketball. You miss a bunch of shots in a row. You just start like, man, like it ain't my day. Like you just ain't my day. You trip over your own feet. You don't have the, you, you, you drop a catch, whatever it is, whatever right. sport you're playing. 
we all have those moments where we kind of get in our own way. But how do 53 men all have the same like lifeless attitude playing the Carolina Panthers team? That's that's what's wild well, to me. This this team turned around. Have that's true. That's very true. Shout out Ryan Sucker. <laughs> this team could be so good. It is so hard for people to quit the Buccaneers because of the players that they have on their roster. But if they don't believe, if they have this mindset that they've shown over the last two to three weeks, they won't beat anybody. I've Look, I, I've said this on Twitter. Right now, the Bucs are the most beatable team in the NFL. It ain't about talent, and it ain't even about execution. It's literally just about mentality. Over the last three weeks, we looked at a team that I feel like walked into the stadium and felt like they were going to lose, or at least didn't believe that they were going to win. That's right. what it came out on the field. That's what we saw it on the field. And anytime that's the case, if you don't walk into that stadium and believe, truly believe that you're going to win the game, you're not. This league's too good. The other guys are too good. You're going to lose. We saw them lose to the Steelers, and they shouldn't have. We saw them lose to the Panthers, and they shouldn't have. We saw a Ravens team that it's a good Ravens team. I'm not going to take anything away Probably from should, after the first half. Beatable. Beatable. They shouldn't have lost after that first half, man. Those first so. two drives on offense were really strong, and the defense was playing – I was doing most impressive, as as you're familiar with. I had a list long. I was like, we're the defense, third down defensively. Third, <laughs> third and longs have been great. And then the second half comes around. I'm like, delete, delete, delete. Like, what it is always, It's always great there? sitting in the press box. I remember uh, sitting in the press box with Scott and Mark, and, and we would divvy up, like, the most impressive – um, most disappointing and like the game recap and everything. Right. And anytime this was this was during the Jameis area. So game wasn't over until the clock hit zero. <laughs> right. And it's just, you never knew what was going to happen. And that would happen a bunch where you'd have like a list of guys. You'd be like, all right, I'm gonna write about this. And then you'd be like, all right, last five minutes of the game, deleting this, deleting this, deleting this. Let's start over here. So <laughs> right. well, gamers going to be like five to 10 minutes long <laughs> late. Uh, I've got to change quite a few right. things. Um, so I wanted to get into the defensive side too, because we, We've talked quite a bit about the offensive side. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things, obviously, you're a PFF. One of the things PFF is no great for other than analysis is your grading system. Um, for the past couple of years, PFF has been routinely down on one Devin White um, and has gotten a lot of pushback from it. And Devin White has been making a lot of splash plays throughout his career. Um, but now we're starting to see, I think, what you over at PFF saw um, fundamentally as a linebacker. Uh, what has been the case? And uh, I'm sure you watched the Bucks game uh, and you saw that play, if not the clips of him jogging on the field. Oh, yeah. This was his response to it. And I want to get your response to this clip afterwards. This is what he was asked about what Warren Sapp said and what uh, what happened on that play. I don't got no response to that. Um, I mean, people that know football know what was going on. You know, uh, I was on the far side of the field on our sideline just with my coverage and a play happened on the other on their sideline i took off running you know obviously i wouldn't run the fastest over there but i mean my teammates know what's going on and you know what it, what what comes with me with on the field and effort so i mean it really ain't no response on that man uh salute to him you know he did a great job he won a super bowl here and it's uh freedom of speech you can say what he want to say so I now mean, respect to him People that know football, Warren Sapp obviously doesn't know football. We know he knows a lot of things, especially around Vegas area, but he now he doesn't know football. And the most damning thing was he says, I was running. I was on the other sideline and I was running. Mm -hmm. I was probably not running as fast as I could. 
my teammates know what's going on with my mm. effort level out there. Devin White is one of the fastest linebackers in the game. When you mm. watch that clip and you see Joe Tryon Shrinka and Logan Hall in the backfield chasing him down and Devin White loafing, as Todd Bowles called it, mm-hmm. and then he comes up, this was the excuse he came up with. I just, I don't, I don't, and this guy wants to be get paid a hundred million dollars. I, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. You know, I feel bad for Devin. I do. He's, he obviously is in a super tough spot right now, but I also wish that he would have handled these things a lot better. I, w- I wish that he would have handled himself uh, a lot better. I think people are really continuing to go after him after the beginning comments of the season when he said, you know, Hey, when you get bored on defense when you're dominating so much, and now it's like the defense can't stop anything. And, Look, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Devin was loafing on that play, the one that everybody's pointing out. There's no doubt about it. And I wish, I really wish, Devin White would have just got up there and said, hey, you know what? I didn't give it my best effort. I've talked with Coach about it. I've talked with the players about it. Uh, That's not going to be me moving forward. That's how you handle stuff. And I'm not saying that Devin White can't be that guy next time. I'm not saying it's like he'll never be that guy. But when you bring up what's a $100 million player, to me, that would have been a $100 million player. $100 million mess, players mess up. That happens all the time. But right. the ones that are worth all that money are truly able to own up to their mistakes to the point where they never want it to happen again. I didn't hear any of that from Devin White. He's in a tough spot, right? Everybody's going after him. Everybody's kind of been going after him quietly for a little bit because he's like the PFF grade where we've been like, hey, you know, when you guys were calling him the best linebacker in football after the Super Bowl – how about we pump the brakes here? How about we just say he had a really good postseason uh, around a really, really great defense, and we can all appreciate that. Right. But he's just – he's going up against – he himself is going up against a national narrative that was never fair. It really wasn't. And that was the right. thing is that Devin White is a athletic, flashy player who was able to really stand out in the Bucks Super Bowl run, not only because they were playing in bigger and bigger games all the way up until that one – but also because the defense around Devin White that year was so damn good. The secondary was rock solid. The defensive line was getting pressure and was stout as could be. He was playing next to what should be a future Hall of Famer in Levante David, right? Everything was there for Devin White. For them to basically say, Devin, green light, go get it. Be a bull, see red. You see the ball, go get it. And he was able to do that. That's why he made the splash plays. Now this year, Front four is not as solid as it was before. Secondary is a little bit looser than it was before. Levante David still playing well, getting a little bit older. And now you're seeing a lot more of those glares of, all right, Devin's biting on play action hard. All right, Devin's getting fooled here when, they, when they're running misdirection. Okay, he's not as, as, as good in coverage as he needs to be. And now you're adding less than ideal effort. It's just a tough right. sell, man. It's a really tough sell for a player that you're right, is, was projected to make a lot of money in his next contract that – Unfortunately, this is the kind of stuff where you don't give a guy that much money for, it, for, for that kind of response and that kind of play. Absolutely. And what's so alarming is if you go back to last season at, at exit interviews, he owned up to it. And you look at this, this training camp. I mean, I know it's training camp and joint practices, whatever, but he looked like he had really turned it around in coverage, mm-hmm. uh, in run support, shedding blocks. Trevor, that wasn't even the most damning play of the game for him. Lindstrom pushing him down the field like he had skates on, like he was a 
baby carriage or a shopping cart and then pancaking him 20 yards down the field. Isaiah likely latching onto him and not letting a rookie tight end, not yeah. letting him get off the block, not being able yeah. to get off blocks, missing tackles. That wasn't even the worst play, I think. I get it. You're on the other side. You thought he was going out of bounds, missed tackled. You know, Levante runs into Zion McCollum and it should have been a tackle. Mm-hmm. That wasn't even the worst play to me. It was the Lindstrom plays and it was the missed tackles. And this is what you're getting from this guy. And, you know, Scott talked to him today and I'll play the clip real quick before I get your response on that. Scott straight up asked him, what do you need to do better going forward? What do you need to do? How do you, how do you turn your play around? Where do you have to improve? Uh, I mean, it's a team game. So, I mean, I just uh, play a team sport. What? I mean, he does play a team sport. That is true. I'm plugging my, uh, I'm, I'm plugging my laptop in so it doesn't. Oh, nice. on you, but he, uh, he does in fact play a team sport. But part of that team is, I think, having accountability, right? I think that's the that is the area of right. team work that is, in fact, one of the most important pillars is taking accountability. And unfortunately, look, again, part of me does really feel bad for Devin. I I've. I was about to say, I've been in some like a, a similar situation than that, not as an NFL linebacker getting criticized <laughs> by the media, but I think we've all been in situations where we maybe messed up, we didn't do what we needed to, our backs are against the wall, people are questioning us, and sometimes we freak out and say things that we aren't supposed to. That is okay. I mean, we can be human in realizing what's going on there. But I think we also need to be real with the, what the truth is right now with Devin White, and that is that he's playing – very poorly he's playing to the point where if they had a better linebacker option they could have made a case for him not being a starting linebacker anymore because the captain trevor when you're i i know i know when you're you got to step up when your play is bad and then when your effort are ba- is bad and then when your media answers are bad that's a triple threat that's not good that's not good you don't you don't have to answer anything to us but you have to answer to your teammates out there on the field. And he's saying, hey, people who know football really know what they saw. Just because we're not NFL players doesn't that's, mean or in this building. It goes back to. That's the Byron thing. That's the Byron thing. That's like you questioning Byron on certain things and saying, hey, here's a different way that we looked at it. This is normally a pretty good way to judge offense. And he goes, I don't care about that. Come Laughs on. at me. Laughs at Come me. Come on, man. It wasn't the I, first time. Last I, year, too, I asked him about predictability on first down runs. He laughed at me and said, that's a fantasy football question. That's not even a football question. And went to the next question. Like, he, arrogance. Look, this, 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 whole, this whole team, like, I, I want to make this very clear. I never played in the NFL. I never played college football. I didn't play high school football because I was super small when I was in high school. And my mom didn't want me to. And she thought I'd get killed. <laughs> I've never coached in the NFL. These guys have so much experience and knowledge of the game. I want to make sure that I always have the respect for that. But we're all always learning how to get better and different ways to approach things. And sometimes it is other people who can point things out to us that we go, oh, okay, right? What is the point of having a conversation with somebody? And also, I should say that they shouldn't be afraid of criticism. You shouldn't be afraid of criticism because – There are two things that can happen if you get criticized if somebody brings up a different point than your own. Either you learn something that you didn't know before that may be a better way to do things, or the argument that you've had all along gets strengthened. As long as you have the right attitude, when anyone brings criticism towards you, it can only strengthen you. It will either teach you something or it will make your argument even better and solidify your confidence in what you're currently doing. Right. I agree. And and Teddy – 
drops a $2 super chat, says, see what Devin just tweeted regarding response. I got that feeling. I owe it to myself. Let's go, Cowboy. Not to my team, but I owe it to myself. You know, that's just another thing, you know, that we're talking about that, you know, he, he, he retweeted Scott saying he's the most overrated player in football and then blocked us over at Peter Report. Mm. Um, it's just another just another another thing. We got another super chat here directed towards you pretty much. Uh, Derlute says, would like to apologize to Trevor. It currently looks more like John Ledyard at PR Success Run than a Trevor Curse is the reason why the Bucks suck. So. You know, I uh, I gotta say, I did very much enjoy when the Bucks won the Super Bowl. All of the tweets I got, people tweeting mainly at my now fiance uh, Alyssa, tweeting at her and be like, "Thank you, thank you for taking Trevor away from Tampa Bay so that the Buccaneers could win a Super Bowl, so that the curse could be away, so that the Lightning could win the Stanley Cup, so that the Rays could go and." Uh, I don't know if they did they make the world series they might have made the world series i'm not the biggest baseball guy but the whole city of tampa thrived after i left there so i've always really enjoyed uh the tweets and the narratives it's been fun to play along with i guess i said the wrong thing uh okay uh devin white said greg Allman said devin white in the play where he's criticized for loafing i was the far side of the field on our sidelines and coverage the play happened on our sidelines and i took off running obviously i wasn't running my fastest out there my teammates know what's going on devin white responds let's dead this greg the play happened bro I play a lot of snaps. I'm in a chase mode 24-7. I got a little more fatigue than normal because of that long series. But I got to be better for my teammates, and that's what I meant by my te- by my teammates. No, I apologize. So in one tweet, he's saying I owe yeah, it to but, myself, yeah, and then twelve minutes late, five minutes later, he's saying about his teammates. And here's the thing, too. Like, you don't need the first part. Right. Like right. you, you don't, that, that, that to me is, is the bigger issue here is that again, we've all had bad days. We've all kind of snapped the people, but you don't need the first part. You don't need right. to say, Hey, Greg, cut it out. Stop asking me about this. Just say the second part. Say, right. Hey, you know what? It was a, it was, it was a longer series because I thought about that too. That defense was out there a lot this past right. game. You say to yourself, Hey, you know what? It was a longer series. I was really winded, but there's no excuse for it. Uh, my teammates need to be, to be around the ball. I'm a linebacker. This is my job. And uh, I'll make sure that I'm at the ball next time. There you go. There you easy, go. Easy. easy. You don't need the first part. You don't need the first part. <laughs> right. Tim, I, I, Trey, I, I've sent you, uh, Trevor, I sent you here way longer than you said you'd give me. So I appreciate, appreciate that. I just want a couple more seconds of your time if You're I can. Good, man. Um, you know, obviously it struggles in the offense, struggles in the defense. Mm-hmm. If you had to come up with a quick fix for both of these, what, what what do you think that they can do on both offense and defense to improve their play going forward? Yeah, well, um, don't say action. execution, please. Play don't. action, play action. <laughs> uh, no, look, it's it's. I mean, it's going to be more uh, intangible than than even just like execution. It kind of goes back to what we said before. This team does not mentally believe that they can win games. They don't. They they've put that they have put that attitude out on the field. It's the only reason why they lost the Steelers. It's the only reason why they lost to the Panthers. And honestly, it's the main catalyst reason of why they lost to the Ravens. I don't want to say right. only reason because the Ravens are a talented team. There is a there is a reason why the Bucks did not make a move at the trade deadline. Well, maybe a couple of reasons. I know Jason loves draft picks, so he probably wasn't gonna want to get away from because <laughs> <salary. laughs> he because he absolutely loves to do it. But I also think that. Even with Shaq Bear going down, which sucks, people thought, okay, maybe they'll go get a pass rusher. Shaq Bear being down definitely sucks, no doubt about it. This team is good enough, okay? 
This roster on paper, even with the players that they have right now, is good enough to win the NFC South. They are good enough to win this division. They are good enough to get in the playoffs. And when you win the division in this, in, in when you win the division, you also host a playoff game. So they are good enough to do those things. The only the way they can achieve the only way they can achieve that is if they actually get back to believing that they can win football games. I don't know why. I don't know if it was the Bruce Arians change. I don't know if it was the Tom Brady stuff off the field. I don't know if it was the fact that they, like Bull said, people might be coasting off the Super Bowl from a couple years ago. I don't know exactly what the catalyst is, but I know that mentally this team is not where they need to be. They are not. The only way this gets figured out is if they get to that level. It's it's not like, a oh, if this guy plays instead of this guy. Because, sure, I'd love for Nick Lever to play. I think that he deserves it. Put him in. I'd love for Rashad White to play more. I wish it was more of a committee than it is right now on that balance. I think the defense, there's a, a couple of guys in the defensive line that could stay, that could um, that could step up. I still think the secondary has good players there. All of this ingredients is there. But it doesn't matter with the attitude that this, this team currently has. Right. They looked unfocused. They looked undisciplined. And they looked like they didn't believe in themselves over the last three weeks. A lot of this can all get remedied if somehow they can splash the cold water on their face and wake up. Because they're talented enough to win. It's just a matter of believing they can do it. And that's the first step right now. This week is winning. You know, you look at this team. They still have a daunting schedule. You know, Seahawks are playing great ball, and it's in Germany. Anything can happen. They got the Rams this week who've McVay's had their number. You come off the Browns matchup very well with the way this team is playing right now with good defense and a solid, solid running game that could run all over this Bucks. You got the Bengals who, I mean, are a wild card. Mm-hmm. They're dealing with their own issues, but they could still beat this team. The Saints in, in Raymond James have been almost <laughs> unbeatable. Uh, look, going back to that five rushing rushing attempts game, blowing them out last year in a shutout, not blowing them out, but shutting them out last year. Uh, and then you've got a Christmas game, which can always mess with your head. You know, you're away from your family. And then Carolina's beat you. The Falcons almost beat you, if not for roughing the passer call on Brady. That could have been a closer game, too. So they cannot Do they play lose. the Falcons at the end? Is that the last they game? Do. They do. Oh, no. <laughs> they do. Yeah. That, so, I mean. That Falcons not- game at the end might be for the division. They cannot lose more than three games. Three games puts them at nine and eight, and I think that's too much. You you cannot lose two games out of that stretch. That's a tall task, and you're right. It, it definitely 100% starts with this week and with a mentality change. If they can get that mentality change and, and win this game, win these next two games going into that bye week, I think this team is a completely different team going in. Yeah. Before I get you out of here, uh, I just if the Bucks win this game versus the Rams, what did they do right, and what's your score prediction? Um, I think the new look defensive line with no Shaq Barrett, somebody's got to step up. I, I feel like Joe Tryon Choyink has been playing with a lot of energy, and this is a Rams offensive line that's been one of the worst in the <laughs> NFL. Um, Joe Noteboom, before he got hurt, was giving up the most pressures for anybody in the NFL, and obviously if his backups not exactly doing. <laughs> a lot better. So understatement. they've really got to get after Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford has more turnover worthy plays than he does big time throws. He's got more interceptions than he does touchdowns. This guy has shown that this year, especially he will give you the football if you pressure him. And so I think it's a massive game for that Bucks front four to gain a lot of confidence with the guys that, um, that they'll have rotating. You got to do it four because he's still pretty damn good against the blitz. Of course, right. And and I I agree with that. And and how they can do with this current group without Shaq Barrett cuz he's going to suck without Barrett, but how they can play with four is going to go a long way into what the ceiling of this defense can be 
this year with his as beat up as they are at the, some of the star positions. But look, I've watched Joe try and show you again for as much as I've liked for him to be a little bit more of a finisher, of course, get those tackles for loss, get those sacks in the backfield. I do think he plays with a lot of juice. And I, I think this could be a breakout game for him. I would love to see it. I think that's the way that they have success. Certainly winning the turnover battle by also winning the line of scrimmage as well. Those two things very paramount to the game. And then, you know, Brady's just got to get, more in sync with with these wide receivers like I, I've, I feel like I've seen more miscommunications and drops with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans than we should have seen all season long and we're halfway through it so that is a massive part of it because unfortunately for as much as I think not having Rob Gronkowski is Huge. maybe the maybe the biggest difference between this year and last year for everything right, that he did so. right in the in the past game run blocking as well Gronk ain't walking through that door. So you got to figure it out some way or the other. I like that Kate Otten stepped up, but it really, it, it goes back to Brady's got to really get in sync. There can't be these, so many, so many of these plays where he throws the ball, it hits the dirt, him and Mike are talking to each other as they're going to the sideline. Instead, we got to get that ball in his hands. I mean, like that's, that, that is the way that you, uh, that's the way that you got to attack the Rams to outscore them. So they have, this is, this is a great get back game because yeah. it's the Rams. And you think to yourself, like, oh, like it's the Rams. You beat the Rams, they're reigning Super Bowl champions. That could be a major confidence booster. But they're very beat up. They're beat up along the offensive line. Cooper Cup's going to be limited. Matthew Stafford's been a turnover machine. They cannot run the ball this year. This is susceptible. This could be a really nice bounce-back game for the Buccaneers, and kind of that's how I see it working. Those are the areas I think they can go after. Plus, you know, they've had their number for the last couple of three games. So, I mean, if you can get over – it's it's a get-over-the-hump game. It's a – like you just said, confident. We just beat the the Super Bowl champions. Even though what they are in, they're still a talented team. I think all mm-hmm. those reasons. You got a score? Uh, high scoring or low scoring? You don't have to give me an exact score. No, I'll give you an exact score. I do this for a living. I should be able to do this. Okay, I think <laughs> Bucks twenty seven, Rams twenty one. Okay. All right, so, so one score game. All right, I got two questions for you before we get you out of here. Will the okay. Brewer wants to know, how's your disc golf g- game going these days? Oh, man, I have not been able to play disc golf nearly as much as I've wanted to lately. The grind of the football season definitely gets into the disc golfing, but uh, I assume that uh, Will was somebody who watched the little mini series that we had with me and Paul Ulibarri, and, and that was a ton of fun getting to do that and learn from him. I will say that my disc golf is a lot better after getting to do that than it was <laughs> previously. So uh, I really, I haven't been playing a lot. I wish I have and hope to get back to it soon. Disc golf is such an underrated sport. If you guys haven't it's tried so it, definitely cool, check man. it out. It's yeah. so much fun. You go out there with a couple beers. Uh, yep. it's, like, it's like regular golf, but with Frisbees. It's awesome. Um, guys, throw your flowers right now at Trey before I get him out here. Uh, if you guys have any love to give him, definitely. We want to definitely thank him for coming back here. It's It's been awesome. And for a more, uh, more joyous occasion, obviously. Uh, we've seen you recently here, but we'd like to see more of you for sure. Um, you, my man. final question for you is, how's the eloping going? Oh, yes. Um, I have not talked with Mike Leach yet. Um, We have not gotten on the phone. When we do, the very first question that I'm going to ask him is, uh, yo, Mike. About that 10K? About that 10K, my guy. You know, like, yes. What are you talking about? Are we serious with that offer? But, uh, no, I mean, like, that was absolutely hilarious. I mean, like, Mike Leach is an unbelievable character. Alyssa, my wonderful fiance, tells me all the time because she gets to interact with a lot of these coaches working for the SEC Network. She tells me all the time that, you know, when, when you talk with Mike Leach, if you try to talk football with him, 
He does. He doesn't want to talk. He, I mean, he doesn't care. He will give you the bare minimum answer possible. But if you ask him about anything else, <laughs> food, marriages, holidays, uh, candy corn, like whatever, he will go off like World War II history. It doesn't matter. Like he will just start going off and he will talk his head off. Um, it was obviously an incredible moment that it was. <laughs> I, I never thought I'd be watching a network television program where a <laughs> SEC football coach was giving me wedding advice, but uh, the elopement or, uh, or just the regular wedding planning, it, it, it's going well. We'll have details on it soon, but uh, it is, it is going well. Shout out to Mike Leach for that. Awesome. That was, that was amazing. I loved watching that. Um, with that being said, Trevor, thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate having you on. We'll have to do this again sometime soon, uh, but thank you and continue the great work over at PFF guys. If you don't, you're not listening to it it's just football the nfl stock and change exchange get over there now pff doing great things not the bible when it comes to grades but pretty damn close uh we love what they do over there uh utilize you often so thank you guys and thank you for your time man i appreciate it jc anytime my friend it's always good to be back in the pewter report home so anytime you guys want me on always feel free to reach out absolutely thanks man appreciate it with that being said anytime you guys want to go and have yourself a good time other than the Pewter Report podcast, head on over to Pin Chasers. It's a great night with family and friends. They have multiple locations, including one very close to the Bucks facility. You never know what players you're going to see there. They're always doing events, charity events. Uh, they're just some some of the guys just have their own balls and their own shoes, and they just go and bowl. So you never know who you might see. Different deals every night, including all you can eat pizza, all you can bowl, dollar beers. Who doesn't love that? Great chicken tendies. The food is so underrated. They have brunch on the weekend. Who doesn't love a little brunch and bowling bees and bees? Maybe you get a Bloody Mary, BBB. Maybe you get a beer. Maybe it's a quadruple B. Bloody Mary, beers, bowling, and brunch. Who, who doesn't love that? Um, you, know, you, you can uh, book your kids' birthday parties there. Uh, they have an arcade where they can bowl and play video games. And you can also uh, book your corporate parties, event uh, events there, Christmas parties, et cetera, that are coming up. Uh, go to pinchasers.net to see what the deal is best for you and start booking your holiday parties there as well. Uh, guys, that's going to just about kind of wrap it up for us. But before we go, I'm going to do something that we usually don't do here on our Thursday pod. I want to ask you guys your opinion. What is the Bucks score prediction? What are they going to get? Uh, we'll, and we'll we'll flash them up on the board. What do you think the Bucks are going to score? Uh, are they going to win? Uh, what are your thoughts on this? We got Tampa Bay tra uh, Trey's thoughts. We got uh, Jake Ellen Bojan um, Bojan's thoughts as well. What are your thoughts? This team have enough to to win this week? Let me know. Drop the uh, drop the score predictions down in the comments, and I'll like I said, I'll flash them up there. And while you guys are doing that, let me just tell you a little bit more about what you're missing if you haven't checked it out yet. The Pewter Report Tailgate Show live at Walk-Ons, presented by Age Rejuvenation in Celsius. Two hours prior to kickoff every week, guys. It is awesome party. It's an awesome event. Uh, we'll be at the Midtown location this week, starting at two fifteen. Uh, two hours up into it. It's gonna have. It's gonna be a great time. Me and Scott will be down there before we head to the game. So come on by, have a beer with us. Uh, after that, uh, Josh Capo and Matt Matera will hop on for the Pewter pregame, which pops up right before the game for that last forty minutes or so, and then jumping right into Pewter game day uh, that will start at four. 425. Oh, so yeah, 425. So it's going to start at 230, but it will be in the walk-ons midtown location. So we're bringing you nonstop Buccaneers football from 230 all the way until the game's over. And then, of course, shortly after that, we'll have the press conference 
uh, and then we'll be back with our post game show. So definitely make sure you're, you're, you're tuning into that. Make sure you guys are, are always dialed into bucks, uh, pewterreport.com for the best bucks coverage, breaking news, inside scoop, game coverage, expert analysis, free agency, draft coverage. You know, we bring it, we bring the best. There's other sites out there, but you don't want to go anywhere but here because we have the best coverage. Follow us on pewter report on all social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, right here at Peter Report TV, where you can like, like this show, please. It'll be so helpful if you do. Helps our algorithm, gets us out to more Peter Reporters, uh, readers, and viewers like yourself. Also, subscribe and hit on that little, hit that little bell. That way, every time we go live and we do these special shows uh, where we bring on some special guests, you will have the notification right there, sending you into the alert to come here. But that being said, I'm going to run through some some of these common sense. He's got some faith in the Bucks. 24-16, uh, Cam 24-21 with some faith in the Bucks. Lee not so much. He thinks the Bucks lose by 10 points. Faith in Brady in the Bucks by Harvinda 31-13, getting over that 30 hump. It's been elusive for the Bucks so far this year. Rams 24-17, um, and Edwin Hernandez 27-20. Uh, Bucks. Zane thinks the Bucks are going to win 38-24. Different energy that he saw from Brady and the presser. I think so too. Guys, um, I'll have my score prediction out tomorrow with the rest of the Pewterport crew on our Pewter predictions. We've got great content up right now. Go check it out, including press conference stuff, inside stuff. So definitely check that out. We'll be back here on Sunday at 2.30 for the Pewter Report tailgate show. With that being said, guys, thank you for joining me on this solo man journey. Try to do the best I could without Maddie here. Hopefully you like the guests. Hopefully you like the, like the show. And that being said, we're out of here. So out.